Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Well, we're going to continue along the lines of faith forward. And today we're picking up on part number two. Last week was um, a foundational message on faith. And uh, we really believe that faith is going to take us forward. I don't think you can do anything for God minus faith. If you can do anything for God minus faith, then you're just doing it on your own ambition. It's going to take faith. A dream from God takes faith. It takes, it takes God, if, if God is going to do something big in your life, it's going to require faith. And so how faith moves us forward, we're going to look at a, another portion of Joshua today, a little bit different. Um, we're going to look at him in Jericho and how he mar- marched around Jericho today, but I want to lay the foundation today again because I want to talk to you how faith is built. You know, a lot of times um, we, uh, um, in our lives, we, we think that faith is automatic. Um, you have a natural kind of faith, each and every one of us, when you came in the room, as we said last week, you didn't check the chair out before you sat in it. Probably this morning you didn't lift up the car hood and went under there to make sure that the spark plugs were working, there was oil in the car. No, you just got in and turned the key. Why? Because you got faith that everything underneath the hood is going to work. And, uh, and so um, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to living for God, there is a natural faith that we have. In order to achieve what God is given you to do, it's not a natural faith thing. Because God is the author of your dream. God is the author of your purpose. Therefore, you must walk in faith, believing things that sometimes you can't seize happening. But how is faith built? Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one is the message Bible, and it says this. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, so the fundamental fact of existence, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Hebrews 11, it says that this faith is the fundamental fact of existence, is that this trust in God, there is a trust in God. It is the, faith is the handle on which you grab a hold of something you can't see. Come on, how's that even work? It's faith. Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. Faith is the handle that, that, that grabs into another realm that says, well, this, this is not the only realm we're operating in, that there is another world that we're operating out of. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in another translation says this, now faith. Everybody say now. now. Say it louder, now. now. Is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Now, here's what we have to understand. Most people are taught to hope in God, to have hope in God. Yeah, hope, hope, hope in God. And, but what you have to understand about hope is hope is future tense. Hope puts it off for the future. Hope literally puts you in a passive position. Hope puts you in a place where it's not. Now, notice what he says. Faith is always now regardless of what it sees. Faith is now. It's regardless of what it sees in front of it. Hope, what it does is it sits back waiting. It sits back waiting, hoping something's going to happen. And listen to me, there's a lot of people that die in hope. What do I mean by that? They don't achieve the thing that God has designed for them to achieve because they're sitting back waiting for something to happen. You're hoping it's going to take place. You're hoping that family member is going to get saved. You're hoping, but you're not in faith. You're hoping. It's future tense. And a lot of people hope their way into a grave. God hasn't designed you to live from a perspective of hope. It wasn't hope that changed the world. It was faith that changed the world. Because faith grabs a hold of things that you cannot see. Hope sits back and waits for something to happen. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 2 says this. For indeed the gospel was preached to us all well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Wait a minute. The Bible didn't profit these people? You mean the word of God, the Bible, 66 books did not profit a group of people. Why? That means you can read the Bible and it not work for you. Here's why. Notice what it says. 
not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. In other words, it's not just hearing something, it's mixing a faith in there of a firm, a firm persuasion that what God said he would do, he's going to do. And again, we discover that faith is seeing from God's point of view. God wants us to see from his point of view. Now, how many, anybody ever play basketball in school? Anybody ever play basketball? Jack, come up here, buddy. Come here, come on, come up here. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, 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 boy, boy. Come on up here. Stand right here. You're going to be my illustration this morning. How you doing, man? You doing well? Good. Did you get coffee? No, you, you need coffee. How late did you stay up last night? Not late? What's not late? Ten? Wow, good for you. Man, that's good. Ten-year-old. How old are you? Fourteen. Man, I don't think my 14. Oh, 11. Their mom's saying 11. All right, when you play basketball, stop lying in church. <laughs> when you play basketball... Show me how you play defense. Get in your defensive stance. You don't know how to play defense? You play basketball. You want me to to illustrate? You ready? Defensive stance. Right here. Get like, come on. Match me. Come on. We're going to learn basketball this morning. Okay. When we play, okay. When you play defense, you ready? All right. You're going to take your right, left foot and you're going to, come on. Come with me. Come on. You got a point? Stay low. How low can you go? (laughs) Can you go down low? (laughs) All right, and that's defense, right? Now, when you play defense, you don't play on your heels, right? You play on your toes, like the balls of your feet, right? So get on the balls of your feet. Come on. You're going to lead me. We're going that way. You ready? No, man, we're not doing the cha-cha, bro. We're playing defense. Bend your knees, boy. Bend your knee. Now go. Come point and go. Point and go. we got some work to do. Listen. Listen. Now get in your stance again over here. I want everybody to see this. When you're on the balls of your feet like this, Okay. Get on the balls of your feet like you're playing defense. Get on the balls of your feet. Put your, get your ball. Okay. All right. We're, we're working with you. Get down. All right. Pay attention. Okay. So when he's on the balls of his feet, it's much harder to knock him over. Now get on your heels. Get on your heels. And in basketball, you can't tell the difference until, until somebody runs into you. So get on, the, get on your heels. So if you're playing defense, you're ready. You're on your heels. Okay. There's a difference. And you can't notice the difference until there's contact. Or you're facing somebody that's faster than you. If you're on your heels, you're going to play defense like this. It's not going to work out. They're going to go by you. They're going to score. It's going to be terrible. You at least have an opportunity by being on the balls of your feet. Welcome to basketball camp, everybody. (laughs) At least on, you have a chance on the balls of your feet to be able to keep up with somebody that's quicker than you. Why? Because it puts you in an aggressive position. When you're on your heels, you're in a passive position. So whenever there's contact in a passive position, you will not stand. You will lose. All right, thank you. Give him a big hand clap. And that's kind of like faith. Faith is not a passive position. And a lot of times what happens is when we come in contact with difficulties and situations that don't look like they're supposed to look like, all of a sudden, because we've been playing life passively, the enemy knocks us over. He gets us knocked off. But if we live in faith, come on, man, we live on the balls of our feet, whenever anything comes at us, it can't move us. Why? Because we're in a position of aggression. We're in a position of stability when we walk by faith. When we walk by our sight, we're in a passive position. When we hope in God, we're in a passive position. The posture of passivity has killed the church. What do I mean by that? Posture of passivity is we look the part And our posture seems okay, but there's something off. And the thing that is off is always contested. Whenever you come in contact with a contest, they'll let you know whether or not you've been mixing your life with faith or not. If you haven't been mixing your life with faith, then that's when that destruction hits you or that difficulty hits you. And when it hits you, it knocks you off train. It knocks you off track. Here's what faith is. Faith hears what God says. And it's not enough just to hear, notice, and we'll read this in Joshua, but then moves with action toward the desired result. Faith is not hope. It's not sitting back. Faith is believing that what God said he would do, he would do, and we start to see from God's perspective through his word. When we see from God's perspective through his word, we start to make stride toward the thing that God has asked us to do. 
faith. Here's what God says. You want to change your work environment. You want to change your school. You can't just sit back and hope it's going to happen. You have to take action towards it. I remember when I was a youth pastor, and I had this little girl in my youth group. She was like eighth grade, on fire. I mean, just wild. And uh, she started a Bible study. I, had a, I think I had about 10 Bible studies going into public schools then. And there was one in Huber Heights, and she ran it. And she was eighth grade. And uh, she came to me one night, and she's, one day after, after service, and she said to me, she said, Pastor, eighth grade, she said, do you mind if I pray, have a prayer meeting at my house? I said, no, why would I care about you having a prayer meeting at your house? She says, well, I want to start praying that my friends would get saved. I said, well, great, let's do it. Let's, let's go. Okay, so she, she starts having a prayer meeting in her house, in her bedroom. It was her and another friend. They started praying. Then they started inviting their unsaved friends to the prayer meeting. That's where it freaks you adults out. Oh, we're going to unsaved people at the prayer meeting. <laughs> she started inviting her unsaved friends. They were getting saved at the prayer meeting in her room, giving, giving their hearts to Christ. But she didn't sit back and go, I hope my friends come to Jesus. I really hope, I hope they, I hope they don't spend eternity from hell. I just hope I, I hope I just, I hope it happens. No, she had to live in faith as an eighth grader and take steps towards seeing the result that God had already promised that she would see. And that was going to all the world and preaching the gospel with every creature. He that believeth and baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Listen, she believed something. Then all of a sudden it moved from having a prayer meeting in her room to where now I was filling up three 15 passenger vans at one high school just because this little girl said, I want to see my friends come to Jesus. And she started to step in faith towards that resolve. It turned in from two to three vans of kids coming to church on Wednesday nights. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. These kids were lost as all get out. They came in, they had no idea what was going on, but we watched them get saved, saved, transformed, delivered. Why? Because there was a little girl that was willing to say, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm not going to sit back here and hope, and I don't understand why when we get adults, it's like above us. Watch out now. I don't understand why it's above us that we, that we take this passive approach to everything. Oh, somebody else would do it. We'll wait for the pastor to lead them to cry. We're just gonna, we're, we're just gonna pass. We just live with passivity. God doesn't want you to live with passivity. He wants you to start to take faith steps toward the desired result. If you want to see your neighbors saved and Jesus radically change them, bake a thing of cookies. How about hi? My name's Johnny. What's your name? Stop just pulling into the into the garage and not even knowing who you're living next to. Okay, faith takes, listen, faith takes hold of the promises of God's. Faith says, I believe God's word is true and I choose to believe it over all my circumstances. So how's this thing built? Hebrews eleven six, and then we'll tie it into Joshua 6. Hebrews eleven six. how is faith built? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's going to be three important principles come out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. But Joshua chapter 6, verse number 1, we're just going to read two verses. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So it was a walled city. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, again, here we go. He, how's he dealing with Joshua? He's having Joshua see beyond what he sees. He's seen a walled city. It was shut up. It was, and God's saying, listen, I want you to see. Here's what he says. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Wait a minute. How, how, is, how is that possible? It's a walled city. Nobody comes in. Nobody comes out. How is it? He said, I want you to see that I've given it to you. How is he going to access the manifestation of that promise in his own natural ability? Even though they were warriors, even though they were qualified on a skill level, they weren't qualified to tear down the city walls. It says, see, I've given you Jericho in your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. 
So God speaks to Joshua and says, listen, I want you to take over Jericho. I found this interesting. You know, when I've studied the word, you know, when you study it and really study it, I never picked up on this part. They, They walked around the wall once for six days. Once. It wasn't continual. In other words, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a rhythm. So it wasn't everybody walking around the wall all day long waiting for something to happen. It was very interesting when I studied this because it says they walked around the wall once. How long do you think it takes? Okay, so Jericho literally is six acres big. How long do you think that takes? You know, what, hour, maybe, less, half hour, something, 45 minutes? So they did this. One time in unison for six days. My question when I was studying this was, what did they do with their idle time that kept them in faith? Because they were outside the city watching this city that was securely shut up and it was an impossible situation in front of them. God, all he asked them to do was walk around once and go back to camp. Now for us, what would we do in those moments? A lot of people walk around once and go, God, you didn't put the wall down. What the heck? Or we we walk around one time and we go back to camp and we're like, what's, I mean, what's, well, that was ignorant. Why'd we do that for? That was the dumbest thing ever. Where's the cornbread and beans? This is ridiculous. No, then they had to get up the next day. All this idle time. What idle time does is if you're not focused on what God wants you to see, that's when unbelief gets in, in in your head. So what they had to do is they had to focus on what God had already given them, even though they haven't received all God had given them. So they get up the next morning. Here we go, boys. Get it together. And we're walking around the city, 45 minutes. (laughs) And we got to go back to camp. This is literally what happened for six days. What you do with your idle time determines how far you're going to go in this thing called life. Because if you can't live in faith, if they go back and, you know, they're reading the Jerusalem news, I don't know, that that, they talk about all the things going bad, Jericho's a shut-up city. There's no way anybody's ever going to be able to take it. There's no way way this is going to happen. There's no way this is going to take place. It took three million people to be on the same page. Have you been to church at all? Like 250 people to get on the same page would be a miracle. Why is it? Why could Joshua get that many people on board? It's because they weren't seeing in this realm. They were seeing something bigger that God had asked them to do, and it wasn't in this realm. It was in another realm. He said, you have to see from my perspective. So every day, six days, here we go. We're going at it again, and they do it. And then the Bible says they had to wait for the sound of the trumpet. And when you wait for the sound of the trumpet, then you'll shout. Can you imagine the anticipation on day six? Here they are, (laughs) 45 minutes. Here we go, 43, 44. (laughs) And then all of a sudden they're like, I'm waiting for the sound. Where's the sound? Give me the sound. It would sound all of a sudden they hear, and all of a sudden they shout. It doesn't say what they shouted. I mean, I'm sure some of them was like, thank God. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was an eruption of shouting that took place. And the Bible says that God stepped on the walls and they became flat. Now, here's the thing you have to understand about when God begins to tear these things down in faith. Is don't always, listen. There's them giants over there on the other side of them walls. There's an enemy to fight. So a lot of times we want breakthrough by faith. But what you have to understand is breakthrough doesn't look like you break through something and then it becomes easy. Most of the time, when God asks you to do something, he's setting you up for an encounter with your enemy. So there they are, day six. And all of a sudden, there's the enemy, naked, right in front of them. what they have to do? They had to remember in the moment of battle that God told them, I gave you the king, all the mighty men, I gave you the entire city, the gold, everything in the city, I gave to you. And when the walls came down, notice what they didn't do. They didn't take a passive approach and go, oh, God did it. That's amazing. 
Way to go, Jesus. You did it. No, they by faith had to take action. Even all the way to the point of the walls coming down, in order for them to receive the entire inheritance that God had promised them, they had to run towards their giant. They had to run towards their enemy and take back everything that the enemy had stolen from them. So listen, how is this faith built? They walked around this city. They had idle time waiting on this manifestation. So how did they build faith? Number one is this. Is the rev- they had to build the revelation of who he is. If you're going to build faith in your life, you have to have a revelation of who God is. Listen, this does not come because you listen to a sermon on Sunday. Revelation does not come because you just listen to church on Sundays. You can't live with a perspective from how God sees if you only spend one day a week with him, an hour and a half. That's the only, if that's all you do, you're not going to have a perspective of heaven. You won't have a perspective of faith. I can't have my wife's perspective on life if we only talk one time a week for an hour and a half. You know how much tension that creates in marriage? <laughs> Somebody laughed. Yeah, we couldn't. It creates tension. Why? Because I, can't, I, don't know what, I don't know what her will is. I, I can't understand her perspective on things if I don't spend time with her. It's the same way with God. Faith is not built outside of a revelation of God. Here's what revelation is. How many of you have ever seen Extreme Home Makeover? Back in the day, that show. Now they have all these wonderful shows on now and, and the big reveal. All these different things. But back then, Extreme Home Makeover, what'd they say? They'd get everything done and then they'd have the crowd out there chanting, move that bus. Come on, can we do it? Just, just flatter me. Perfect. At the beginning, I was like, wow. I wonder if that's what they sounded like going around Jericho. <laughs> Way off in unison. <laughs> but what were they doing? They were revealing something. It's kind of like going to a revelation. is like going to a play and, and them opening the curtain, you seeing the entire production. And here's what happens when we live without revelation. This is what a lot of things, this is what happens is we think our Sunday morning preacher, which is me, is going to help us develop in Revelation. You waiting on me to develop Revelation for you, you are not going to receive the Revelation that you need for the thing God has for you just from me. Here's what I mean by that. That's like you going to the play and the MC walking out and reading the script. No, the curtains ain't opening. He just reads the script. And there you're reading the script. Here it is. And Dolly ran by the tree and the car went off the cliff. And I mean, it's like just reading the script. God doesn't want to just read a script to you. He wants to have an encounter with you. And to have an encounter with you is he wants to pull the curtains back so you can see the entire production of what he has for your life. How does that happen? Time. See, here it is. Here, 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 here's where we get caught up. See, it means to open a curtain. Revelation means to open a curtain or a door to see what is behind it. It means the act of disclosing something that has not been known or seen before. Now, there's a great passage in Ephesians. The Apostle Paul prays for the church of Ephesus, and he prays that this church would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why Paul? Paul had more revelation than anybody else in the Word of God. He wrote three-quarters of the New Testament that you read. Why did Paul have that? Is there was a spiritual thing, encounter that took place, but he prayed that God would give him a spirit of wisdom and revelation and that church would be able to see from God's perspective. That's what revelation is. Revelation is being able to see from God's perspective. God told Joshua, see. Faith is about seeing from God's point of view. So God's trying to get Joshua to see behind the curtain. I've given you this land. I've given you this territory. When the walls come down, go take it. Guess what? There's no such thing as half obedience when it comes to faith. They could have stopped at the walls, and this is what we do. We get a certain amount of breakthrough in our life, and we cheer. Jesus, the walls. That's not all, though. That's half obedience which means it's not full obedience. Full obedience is you enter the encounter with the enemy to take back everything that the enemy took from you. 
God wants us to see. Faith begins where the will of God is known. The will of God is that Bible you have in your lap. Who, who, who has a Bible? Raise the Bible up for me. Sean, give me the Bible. Sean's got a Bible. Anybody else got a Bible in here? Raise your Bible up. Let me just see. Let me just see. Let me see the Bibles in the room. Okay. How many of you look at it on your phone? Put your phone up. <laughs> okay. Great. Every once in a while, get to the pages. I'm just going to encourage you this morning. All this tech stuff, great, wonderful. I'm using it now. But when I study, I've got to fill the pages. Bible. This is it. Bestseller of all century. But listen, this Bible here is the will of God, which is the word of God. So here's what happens. So let's say, for example, you know, I have a will. When I die, somebody's going to take that will and appropriate it into life. So Braden's going to get $10. <laughs> Madison's going to get 25 <laughs> Jennifer's going to get the rest. <laughs> but the point is, is that there has to be an executor of that will. So somebody has to come in and distribute what, was, what, what my desire was while I was on this earth. This is God's will. We are the, Jesus, because he was perfect, when he died, he rose from the dead. So Jesus not only wrote the will, but then he became the executor of that will because he rose from the dead. Come on, follow me a minute. I know, I don't want to lose you. But the exciting part about this is this is God's will. He died for it. He bled for it. Therefore, he, when he rose from the dead, he became the executor of it. So he's executing his will through his church. He's distributing his will through his church. And so he's giving his will to his church. So when you read the word of God, this is the will of God. Stop waiting on angels to show up. Stop waiting on weird things to happen. God's word, how can I find God's will for my life? It's right here. Love your neighbors. That's a good one. He said you'd be blessed going in and blessed going out. This is the will of God for you. So if you're not living to the level of the will of God, spend more time in it, because when you spend more time with the will, that's when revelation comes. And that's when faith is built. My encounter with God was not what transformed me. I could have had an encounter with God and went right back to the same old thing. What changed my life was this book. I couldn't deal with suicidal thoughts. I couldn't deal with addictive thoughts. I couldn't deal with relationship thoughts. I couldn't deal with my past. I couldn't deal with my brokenness on my own. It took a word from God that came in and transformed me. You can't get transformation outside of God's will and his word. So quit, quit trying to hope it on yourself. I hope to be different. I hope to be different. I hope to break that addiction. You're passive. You have to get aggressive with the sword of God's word. This is the will of God. Faith is built where the will of God is known. So your level is, if faith is contextualized to how much of the will you know. And you have to settle this. You have to settle this on the inside of you. Who is God? You, you can't continue to take a cultural perspective of who God is and expect to have a right perspective of faith. It's going to take the will of God, the word of God, putting a perspective on you. And when you see the will of God, you can begin to see from God's perspective. Why is it 95% of the church in America has never led anybody to Christ personally? Why is it? We don't know the will of God. We don't know that God loves those people that you can't stand more than you love them and can't stand them. God loves them more. Well, if it's the will of God for everybody on the earth to have a knee that would bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't you think that if you studied the will of God and all of a sudden now you become that person, that, that, that executor of the state, God puts that into your lap. Now you must execute what he paid for don't you think there would be a passion to reach across the neighborhood or to reach across the workplace and say, listen, there is a will of God that says all men must come to know Christ. And I'm the executor. I'm the one that's going to display that in the earth. The will of God. You have to settle this in you. You have to settle who God is in you. Are you taking your cues from culture? Or are you taking your cues from his will?
So number one is you must, if faith is going to be built, it's built on the revelation of who God is. Number two, out of Hebrews eleven six, it says he is a rewarder of those who dil- diligently seek him. Point two is he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice what it didn't say. He didn't say he rewarded everybody. Well, that's not God. He loves me. That means he's going to reward you. He says this. He says it's those that diligently seek him. He didn't say passively seek him. He said those who diligently seek him, he will reward. So diligent seeking gives you a perspective through God's word, which then in turn builds faith for what you're supposed to do. Diligent means this. It means steady, earnest, and energetic effort. Diligently seek him. Well, I just don't have time. I don't have time to seek him. There's no way I can seek him. You don't know how busy my life is. Let me see your screen time this week on your phone. Well, that's just the day we're living in, Jason. We just got to be on our phones. You never know. We might miss something. You're not that important. The point is, is the whole idea of not having enough time is just means you don't manage time well. So stop making excuses for it. Let's just call it what it is. Bad time management. You got an Instagram story for everything. We went here and we went there and we ate this and we had barbecue and we went there. I'm surprised some of you don't put a story about when you go to the toilet every day. (laughs) Amen. Please don't do that. The point is, is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, which means you're going to have to say no to some stuff in order to diligently seek him. I love this quote. It says, there's something about God that will pass over a thousand people in hope to get to the one person that's in faith. You mean God would pass over me? Absolutely. He was in a crowd of people, and there was a blind man named Bart. Bartimaeus, there he was. He was on the, the, the corner. All of a sudden, the dust started to rumble in the area, and he knew Jesus. They started hearing, hearing noises, and he started hearing voices, and he started hearing Jesus was in town. The Messiah was here, and there he was. He was a blind man on the side of the road begging for money and alms and just to get by. But then the Bible says that he heard that Jesus was in town. So all of a sudden, he started crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice he didn't take a passive approach and go, oh, this God, Jesus, he's going to be like everybody else in my life. He's going to walk out. He won't want anything to do with me. That's a passive approach. The scripture says this, that he started to cry out. And the disciples said, hey, 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 these guys weren't the best. They weren't the awesome. He said, listen, be quiet. Shh, shh, shh. Don't disturb the master. And most of us would go, okay, God doesn't want anything to do with me. No, he doesn't want anything to do with me. Not this guy. Blind Bartimaeus said, son of David, have mercy on me. And there's a crowd of people. And No, no, I'm a diligent seeker. And because I'm a diligent seeker, Blind Bartimaeus said, hey, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops in his tracks. And he turns to the blind man. He walks over to the blind man. And he says, what would, I ha- what would you have me to do for you? Why did Jesus respond to this man? It's because he responds to faith. All of a sudden, he comes over and says, what do you want me to do? He says, I want to see. And he says, fine, you see. He said, be it unto you according to your faith. It wasn't faith that Jesus amped up. It was according to the blind man's faith. The blind man heard of Jesus, which built faith in his heart, and then he didn't sit back passively wondering if God had a plan for his life. No, he heard of Jesus doing miracles, and all of a sudden, he steps up through faith and takes action. As he begins to cry out, God responds, the man is healed, and all of a sudden, he goes leaping and praising God. What about the two dudes that brought their friend, the guys that brought their friend to the house, and they couldn't get in? They opened the front door. It was so packed. They had a friend that was hurt and broken and needed to be healed, and they had him on a stretcher, and there they are. They come to the front door, and listen, this would be a lot of us. We'd come to the front door and be like, oh, well, it's crowded. Must be not God's will today for this guy to get healed, and we'd walk away, and we'd go back home, and the guy would still be sick. 
Not these guys. They said, shoot, forget this craziness. You ain't going to let me in here? I'm getting on the roof. Get, get a ladder, Johnny. I don't know how they did it, but they put a ladder up, made it out of sticks, put a ladder, got it to the roof of the house, and they started tearing the roof off. And they looked down, and there's Jesus. There he is, and the Bible says there's a healer in the house. And there he is, and they took the guy, and they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. And there they were, and he, listen to what he said. According to your faith, be healed. According to whose faith? The friend's. The friends were the one that were able to bring this guy to a place to where he could experience a miracle. How many people is waiting on our faith levels to go that says God is big enough to change anybody's life? Why are we waiting on this? What are we waiting on? God gives us faith to step into impossible situations when we diligently Seek him. You don't take your friends up to the roof and start tearing the roof off if you don't have faith. There's a little girl named in, in uh, Mark chapter 5. She had an issue of blood. She had been 25 years sick, bleeding, hemorrhaging for 25 years. And she said, I've done everything I know to do, and I can't get healed. All of a sudden, the scripture says that Jesus came to town, and this little girl that had been hemorrhaging, for 25 years, it says he went to every doctor, but grew worse. But the Bible says, but she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And when we hear the word of God, it builds faith in us for a response. So this woman, here she is in the crowd. And the Bible says she pressed. She's bleeding. You ever, I mean, she's not strong. It says that she presses through the crowd and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment and Jesus goes like this, who touched me? Who touched me? And so, who touched me? And he said, the disciples, again, not the brightest group, uh, Jesus, we're in a multitude. There's a lot of people touching you. He said, no, no, this was different. This wasn't a natural touch. This was a touch of faith. Power went out from me. And he said, virtue went out from me in this moment. And all of a sudden, this little girl trembling, she comes up to him, and she said, it was me. She says, I'm not worthy. She gets down on her hands and knees, and all of a sudden, Jesus touches her. And listen to what he says to her. According to your faith... She was a seeker. She pressed through the crowd. She pressed through the difficulty. She pressed through the pain. She pressed through the doctor's report. She pressed through all the, 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 the obstacle that was in front of her. Why? Because she was going to diligently seek him. And guess what? Her reward came not because of her need. Her need was met because of her seeking. Hear me that. Faith, God doesn't respond to your need. He responds to your seeking. Oh, well, I'm just, God... Are you ever going to heal my need? Are you ever going to do this in my life? No, God's not responding to your need. He, didn't, he did not say, oh, you're sick, girl. You're sick, so be healed. No, he said, according to your faith, you're healed. Woman with the issue of blood. God wants us to build a perspective in our life of a correct image of who God is, that we seek a God, that we seek God God says this in three things, three things that build correct image in God. Number one is God works good things in your life. You've got to understand that. Romans 8, 28, God will provide all things, number two. And then finally, number three, God will conquer all things, according to Romans 8, 35 and 37. You've got to get this in your heart as you're seeking after God. John 4, 23 says this, and I'll close. It says, the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. In other words, God is seeking seekers to reward. He's not looking for the passive. He's not looking for the need. He's not looking for those that want. He's looking for those that are diligently seeking. John 4, 23, he says, now is, now 
is. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now is. In other words, he's seeking seekers. He's a seeker himself, and he's looking for those that would match his seeking. Come on, somebody. And when you diligently seek God in faith, understanding his word and his will, all of a sudden, something begins to move and shift in your life. And finally this, we got to understand, in order to build faith, nothing is impossible if you can believe. This is the mentality that revelation brings. It brings a spirit of faith. Matthew 16 says this. He tells Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, the gate, the revelation of who Jesus is, of who God is in your life. And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love what the message says. It says, this is the rock, revelation, on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Low productivity, low faith. God gives us a word that after we have spent time in his will and we discover who he is, he puts the thought of nothing is impossible for him that can believe. Luke 137 says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Notice the terminology. It says, for with God. We understand that part. Most people understand with God, nothing will be impossible. It's when the word turns. Listen, Luke 137, this is what this word really means. It means no word from God will be void of power. So when God gives you the word that becomes the revelation, Faith is built, and within that word, there is power to perform whatever he said. I know I'm saying a lot this morning. You have to go back and re-listen. There's power in everything. This is a seed, and within every seed, there's power to do what that seed is. So if you have an apple seed you put in the ground, within that apple seed is an apple tree, which produces apples. God's word is like that seed. It's his will. It's his word. When it gets on the inside of you, it starts to produce a harvest, and the harvest says... No word from God will be void of power. So faith is built through the word of God. And when that word of God becomes a revelation of who he is, that seed of power is then activated in your life and moves you from this perspective. For with God, nothing will be impossible. To with God, nothing will be impossible for me. Not just everything's possible with God, but for me, because Matthew 17 tells us this, have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, not God, God's not talking to your mountain, you're talking to it. God's not talking to your difficulty, you're talking to it. He said, you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you'll say to this difficulty, move from here to there, and it will move. And notice what it says, and nothing will be impossible for you. Not nothing will be impossible with God, so with God, nothing shall be impossible for you. Don't stand on the outside of a half promise. When God wants you to move in and take territory, God wants us to move in and take territory and knowing that nothing will be impossible for us because he will reward the diligent seeker. Let's close our eyes this morning. I know I said a lot. This word's really strong in me right now in, in, our, in our season of our church. Let's move out of passivity. How do you move out of passivity? Spend time with God's word. Come on, man, spend time in the will of God, in the word of God. You, you can't ignore the will and the word and expect to live in faith. God is taking us somewhere as a church and he's taking us forward. And in that forward motion that God is taking us, listen to me, it's gonna take all of us discovering who God is, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, that we seek him with our whole heart. And when we move forward, the, we're gonna to have to have in our spirit, just like they did in Jericho, nothing will be impossible for me. Maybe you're facing an impossible situation. Nothing will be impossible for you. You're having a marriage problem. Thank God for counseling. I'm all about it. Don't start there. Go, but start with God. Start with an examination of your level of God in your life. How well do I know God? And when you get to understand how much you, God loves your spouse, 
how much he's working in your spouse. Now all of a sudden it doesn't become all, well, he's, he, he's a problem. No, 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 no. Now you're saying, God, I thank you. I thank you for my husband. I thank you that he's the head, not the tail. Thank you that he, he, God, is the head of our home. Thank you today that you're working in his life. Thank you today. I bless him. Why? Because, God, I'm seeing from your perspective. And there's things in his life that maybe not be lining up right now. But today I refuse to pronounce a curse over him. I will pronounce blessing over him. And I'm going to see through the eyes of faith. And he's going to be a different person. And, God, you're going to use him. And you're going to use him to change the world. You're going to use him in his workplace. You're going to strengthen him. You're going to break all things off his life. And all of a sudden now you're living in a place of faith and declaring the thing that you see is impossible, that you see from the perspective of God, and God all of a sudden starts to mess with your husband and begin to change him and break the walls down, and all of a sudden now your marriage gets better, and now all of a sudden on the other side, your husband's saying, I pray for you today. Transformation happens when we live by faith. So maybe you're in this room today, and you say, Jason, I've been living in passivity. I know it's late. We're living in passivity. But today I'm gonna declare and make a decision to spend time with the Word of God because I don't wanna be a person of unbelief. I wanna live in a realm of faith so I can see the things that God wants me to see, the things which I declare impossible, He declares possible. And I'm gonna be a seeker of God. And I'm gonna repent of my lack of intensity to seek God. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I wanna pray for you today. Yeah, I mean, yes. No more passivity. No more passive approaches. Can we all stand? sing this chorus. So I don't want to pray long distance prayers. Will you please move out of your seat? Come on up here to the front. We want to pray together. Come on, have you raised your hand this morning? Come on, I've seen your hands. Come on up. Don't make me come out there and get you. Here's what God's doing in our church. God is taking the layers off and establishing a depth of root that we've never had before. God is making us deeper into him. Why? Because of where we're going. God is deepening our roots in faith. He's deepening our perspective of who he is. And as he deepens us and matures us, or maybe he's just, some of you, it's not a matter of growing in maturity. It's just a matter of kicking open the old well. It's, it's there. It's not, it's not like you're starting over. You're starting at the place that you left. And God's just going to come in and kick the old well open. And when, that, when he kicks the old well open, all of a sudden now, the water that's been sitting there all the time that you let neglect for 10 years, it's just going to start to bubble again. And all of a sudden, there's, you're going to become a raging of living water to everybody around you. So it's, you're not starting over. You're just kicking off the old dust, kicking off the old thing, and now all of a sudden coming into the new thing, which is really old thing. So, Father, I pray for each person that came forward this morning. Lord, I thank you today for each and every one of them. I thank you, Lord, for whatever tugged on their heart today, living in a place of passivity, walking away from uh, your will and your word. I pray today, God, that, God, I just, I just, Lord, I just ask that the heaviness of life would just lift. 
just the weariness I sense in my heart, that there would just be a lifting. You said in your word that you would lift the heavy burden, destroy every yoke. And today, Lord, whatever's kept us and these from moving forward in faith into the things which you have for us, today I ask, Holy Spirit, fresh faith. And Lord, I'm gonna pray Ephesians chapter one over each person, Lord, just as the apostle Paul prayed over the Ephesus church. And here, Lord, I pray for this reason, I too, having heard of faith in the Lord Jesus, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto each one of these a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened, that they may know you and what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward them who believe. These are in according with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand and in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under their feet, under their feet today. And he was given, gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And so I thank you today that as these get into your word, that a new spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you would open up and they would see from your will and your word and your perspective and be able to move forward in faith in the decisions that's in front of them, in the dream that's in their heart, in the revelation of what you place there, that they'll move into their Jerichos and take over and take back everything the enemy ever thought that he stole from them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.